Welcome everybody to episode 171 of the Get Around. We've got Bel Air's Noah Mann and J.C. Summers as guests after their run to the Division IV state title game. It concluded Friday at the Breslin Student Events Center at Michigan State. We've got a lot of stuff we're going to talk about on the show today. We're going to talk about Governor Whitmer's latest suggestion for sports and how schools reacted to it. We're going to put up three more athletes for the Hall of Fame. Uh, we're going to dive into some of our favorite golf memories in honor of uh, historic Masters this weekend. So, um, But it's been a big day for the Record Eagle sports crew. First round of golf for me today. Andrew got his second vaccine shot today and jake is in las vegas coming to us live from vegas coming from vegas baby on a more serious note andrew's nominated for the associated press's rising star award there's only four of those in the state of michigan like four awards and we got some good work going on at the record eagle and life is pretty good you know First off, we're going to get you fed. This week's winner of two free Jimmy John's sandwiches is Kristen Hokewater Huttinga of McBain for interacting with the podcast on Facebook. Remember to share, like, or comment for a chance to win two sandwiches each week, courtesy of Jimmy John's and The Get Around. The Get Around is sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City, Freaky Fresh, Freaky Fast, Jimmy John's, Freaky Yeah. Let's put our finger on the heartbeat of the sports world with the pulse. Obviously, the big thing was Bel Air going to the state finals in Division Four. You guys covered a lot of that. Inadvertently, I had to to cover some of it at the last minute on uh, on Friday, but uh, but you guys did most of the, the heavy lifting on the regionals and quarterfinals, semifinals, all of that. So what are your thoughts on, on this run and how historic it was for the, for the town of Bel Air and the girls' basketball program? Well, they had to go through two overtime wins to get to this point. I mean, they beat Leland in, in, in overtime. Olivia Lowe was just on fire that game. That's when they didn't have Katie Decker and J.C. Summers, but J.C. comes back. They beat Saginaw, which is the number two, that was the number two team in the state. I honestly thought that was their most impressive win of the postseason. It was a really low-scoring game. And Saginaw actually had a really good chance to win towards the end. They had a really good layup play, but I don't think they realized they were down by three. And it wasn't enough points. So... Nonetheless, really cool deal for the Bel Air um, Eagles. They've been talking about since since they've been literally been in second grade. Huge for their town, and we'll hear a little bit more from them later. But if you just talk about the the year that it's been with COVID, I think that's what the like really to me. We didn't expect you know much out of any of our teams this season. We really didn't know what the season was going to be like, and I think Bel Air surprised us, even though they were twenty three and one last year. I think that they surprised us making it down to Breslin. And the run that they had, like you said, they beat some really good teams. And in that semifinal, they dominated in that semifinal at Van Andel. They won by almost 20 points. It was, what, 49 to 28. And then, you know, obviously they, they got a little shellacked in the final. But getting down there for the first time in school history is so big. And when, when we talk to them and you hear about it, they, they had a little parade going out of town. And I think the biggest thing is, and you'll hear from the girls too, is they really did a good job of inspiring the youth out in Bel Air and really bringing the community together from the very young ages all the way up to the high school girls. You know, they tell us how much all the little kids are asking questions and, you know, exactly how excited they all got to go down there, even just be at the parade to kind of um, experience that with the girls. And I think that that does more for the program and for the community than anybody will ever know. Let's not get too deep into, I guess, into the Bel Air because um, we're going to have a, a, an in-depth talk with, with JC and Noel here coming up. So we had a bunch of other teams that got to the to the quarterfinals. Glen Lake Girls, McBain Boys, Frankfurt Boys. All those teams obviously lost in the in the quarterfinals. I tell you, the one thing that I noticed is I, I covered that Glen Lake game where they 
where they lost to to Calumet in the quarters. And then I stayed afterwards for that, for the Portland Escanaba game, which was a Division II. And Portland ended up going on and winning the state championship. But right after that game, I said, I think I texted you guys, and I said, Glen Lake beats that team by 20 or 30. And then they went on and won the state championship. So I think I'm going to declare Glen Lake the honorary Division II state champions. Because um, I, I, I just I just think that the, that game wouldn't even been a game. They would have, I think they would have just run away with it against Portland. Haley Helling told me that, you know, that Calumet team they faced was pretty much matchup nightmare. They were going to be the exact copies of them. It was, they were, they were carbon copies. I mean, it, it was, it was weird how similar that Calumet team was to Glen Lake. I mean, they, they pressed a lot too, like, like Glen Lake does and, and some of the half court trap. They had like three, six foot tall girls like Glen Lake does. And one of them comes off the bench uh, you know, and a bunch of a bunch of other good guards along with it. The the lineups were the same, and the the strategy was almost the same. James, I know you've been following McBain pretty hard this year. What did they do this year that was different from the last? I mean, they've been number one up there for a while. Yeah, they were ranked number one in the state. Iron Mountain, who was ranked number three, and had already knocked off number two coming into that game. And well, let's uh, be honest, Foster Wonders pretty much was their team. You know, he, he is their team. It's Foster Wonders and like four other kids. You know, they're just there to play defense, rebound, and not turn the ball over. That team is Foster Wonders, and I mean, it's like it was like Hoosiers. And like he's Jimmy Chitwood, and the, you know the other four guys on the floor are just there to try to not make mistakes, kind of, and just let Jimmy Chitwood do his whole thing. And and if you look at him right, oh, Foster Wonders looks a little bit like Jimmy Chitwood. A really nice kid, though, man. I don't know if you saw the video or not, but he was late to the press conference after their state championship game because because yeah, uh, he went and board. personally talked to every Flint Beecher kid. Yeah. You know, he, he personally talked to the, every kid from the losing team. I, I forget who who it was. But Flint, Flint Beecher. Yeah, and Flint's been, Flint's been in the finals forever. Yeah, Jake, you covered Frankfurt in their quarterfinal game. Talk about what happened there. Well, yeah, I mean, they, they had a really good game against Men Pleasant Sacred Heart. Uh, they, had, they had a couple guys on that Pleasant Sacred Heart who combined for 48 points, which, you know, when they were balling like that, they were draining some three-pointers just when they needed to. They actually put Frankfurt down big to begin with, but Frankfurt made it a game towards the end and were able to kind of w- wiggle their way back, um, obviously being led by Jack Stefanski for the last four years. He's been an incredible player to watch, such a mismatch at the Division Four level, and, uh, you know, that was his final game in the Panthers uniform, and Coach Dan Lodi basically said that he has changed the program at Frankfurt permanently just by the way that he was, how he how he acted, the example that he set. I mean, if you look at just the track record with a couple of regional championships in the last three years uh, with Loney and, and, the, and the Panthers, I mean, they've made it to the quarterfinals or later in both the seasons that they've been able to actually finish um, in the last three years underneath Dan Loney. So uh, I know that the team's going to look really, really, really different in the future without Jack Stefanski. Uh, they still have Blake Miller and a couple of those guys who are able to score for them. But, you know, with Jack's production going away it's it's going to be a whole different era of frankfurt basketball um starting up next year but another run to the quarterfinals i don't think anybody expected uh you know anything less um once you saw them get in the playoffs and start running away with games all right well that wraps up the pulse now we'll head into the interview with belair's jc summers and noel mann
The Get Around Podcast is very happy to welcome in Bel Air Senior Point Guard Noel Mann and Senator J.C. Summers. Welcome, ladies. Hi. At first, we got to kick it off with the Freaky Fast Five and an ode to our sponsor at Jimmy John's. So if I was talking to your best friend, what is one thing they would say you need to work on? Um, not being so blunt. <laughs> I'm a little shy sometimes, probably. I could probably work on that. Do you consider Monopoly a game that you play with friends or enemies? <laughs> friends? I'd say friends, yeah. Because you can make them into enemies, depending <laughs> on how you play. Yeah. All right, I got one. I got one. What's your uh, What's your favorite fast food restaurant? Chick Fil A. Uh, probably Chick Fil A or McDonald's, just because I eat there a lot. So, like, how much would you guys pay to have a Chick Fil A in Traverse City or like the uh, Northern Michigan area? Screw that. How much would you pay to have a Chick Fil A in Bel Air, like rivaling? Oh, so much. <laughs> yeah, that would that would be awesome. I definitely have a lot of money. <laughs> is there Is there any like fast food in Bel Air at all? Yeah, uh, we have a McDonald's. Um, is it pronounced GIF or JIF? GIF. I say JIF, but I know it's... No, I say GIF, but I know it's pronounced differently. I say GIF. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm a GIF all the way. Yeah. JIF is a peanut butter. Yeah. Because the G, the G stands for graphic, not, mm-hmm. not giraffic. How many dimples are in a basketball? I, don't, I actually don't know the answer to this, so like, so take a guess at how many dimples are in a basketball. Uh, 500. 800. I don't know. 35,000. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> a little off there. Yeah, so what's your favorite board game? I don't play a lot of board games. Either. Yeah. Um, Sorry's kind of good. Yeah, I'd probably say sorry because that's like literally all I play. Monopoly is too long for me. I don't patient enough. I feel like sorry is definitely a game that makes enemies really quickly because it's like somebody's about to put, get in. And you're like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, well, that was the Ricky Fast Five and an ode to our sponsor at Jimmy John's. Now we'll get into the regular part of the interview, ladies. You guys went from Van Andel Arena to Breslin with a pole barn in between. <laughs> Talk about those three venues and uh, and how different they were from each other. I was actually glad that we got to play at Van Andel and the Breslin instead of just the Breslin. And uh, the pole barn was obviously a different experience, but I probably wouldn't have passed it up for anything else. Yeah, I agree. I was excited that we got to play at both. Both of them were really cool, and it was just crazy just to be there and the pole barn was better than i thought it was going to be so that was fun it looked actually pretty nice inside yeah it was do you know how brad found that <coughs> our friend ron hooked us up i guess what are your biggest takeaways from the from the title game i mean just the, ex- the experience of everything you know hearing your name broadcast in in breslin during the starting lineups all that kind of stuff how, what was that like i don't even know i feel like it still kind of hasn't registered it's crazy. Just because we've always like dreamed of it since we were little, and just didn't be there was just crazy. Yeah, it's definitely a huge experience, and not a lot of people can say that they've got to do that. Was there something that was different than you thought it was going to be, or that surprised you when you when you got there to Breslin? The whole, I guess, the experience was not what I thought it would be, but not in like a good or bad way. It was just like 
than what I thought it would be. I don't maybe, but I think the whole COVID thing really changed our experience because there weren't like fans on the floor, so it kind of just felt like we were playing in a like open random gym. Yeah, I don't know if it was necessarily just wrestling, but with COVID, like Noel said, um, the support was amazing. We had so much support, and there were obviously more people there than we thought there would ever be. So that was obviously cool. You guys had, like, three parades. I mean, you guys had police escorts coming home. You had an entire parade with the fire department to go to uh, East Lansing. I mean, have you? has it just felt like you guys have been the center of attention for Bel Air for a couple weeks? Oh, yeah, definitely. Everywhere we go, it's like someone's talking to me. I went to literally the chiropractor in Elk Rapids, and some people I don't even know were like, Oh my gosh, you played at the Breslin. We were cheering for you. I was like, thank you. I have no clue who they were. But it's just like even all the towns around to support us too. So you guys are getting bigger than Joe Short. (laughs) So I know that you guys were were really big on trying to make history for you guys' school and being the first ones to, you know, make the finals as a girls team uh, was a a big accomplishment for you guys. Can you just kind of talk about what that's done for for the basketball program and how much of a... a goal that was for you guys? It was huge. It obviously feels great. For the program itself, I think it kind of, like, put us on the map a little bit because I think in Bel Air, we've always been, like, for the girls these past few years, we've always felt like we had something to, like, show and prove, and, like, now we've finally made it, and, like, we accomplished this, and now people, like, know about us, and we're not just in a little northern Michigan town. It's always been talked, like, the boys have been talked about, like, oh, the boys did, they went to the state, and now you guys can do it too. But it was, it was more than that to us. It was more of, we want it, we want to get there. It's, yeah, it's about us. And for the program, like, in the future, just, like, the amount of even little girls and boys that have just, like, to us and gone and traveled all of our games is just so amazing. And it's so cool. We've, like heard from a ton of them and they talked about like oh well we're seeing like the importance of your free throws and we're gonna go practice our free throws now it's just cool to see them look up to us and just that now they believe that they can do it since we did too uh, so how old were you, were you when the boys went to the state finals um i think i was like two <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you remember nothing <laughs> so yeah i was i don't remember anything. <laughs> yeah. uh, how much do people still talk about that around bel-air Quite often. Yeah, it wasn't talked about, like, big, but it was definitely brought up more in the past few weeks, obviously. I think sometimes, just when we talk about the boys' basketball now, too, it gets brought up sometimes. A big part of your your team has played together for years. Uh, the senior class, I think, has been, I think, mostly on the same teams for, like, eight years or something. Um what are some of the funniest stories of traveling to, to travel tournaments and stuff like that? What are What are some of the good stories? Oh, my gosh. I don't even know where I would start. Um, okay, well, this is like a staple, I guess. We used to go to the Sioux, to the Sioux shootout, and we would hang out in the hallways, and we'd always go down to the lobby and steal the juice <laughs> from, like, the juice for breakfast, and we'd always get full. And so we'd always try in, like, future hotels, we'd always see how much juice we could steal before we got in trouble. So that's, like, something we've always done. <laughs> What what travel team did you guys play on? And I know I know JC, your is it your brother who's a coach in Oak Rapids? 
Um, yeah, this year he was, but my dad coached over there for a long time, and um, and then he came back to Bel Air so that he was able to watch me. Um, so my brother went over there, and yeah, he helped out over there. So, so what team did you guys travel with? Northern Pride. And, wait, and you just would go everywhere? Or? Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Mostly downstate. Yeah, Grand Rapids, a lot, a lot. Yeah. Sometimes around, like, Canton area. Were you guys pilfering <laughs> juice there, too? <laughs> or was that just a Sault Ste. Marie thing? The Sioux is where it started, and that's, like, our prime memory of it. But we kept it going for a few years, I'd say. Okay. How many is the most you got? Like a lot of trips. I don't know. We would send different girls down every time so we wouldn't get in trouble as easily. <laughs> It'd be like, it's your turn to go down and you have to go. And you'd send like two people and they'd run up with it and spill it everywhere. <laughs> I, I don't know how many I would say, but I think we would go a little bit without getting in trouble. One time they like unplugged it so we couldn't take any more. Okay. Did you, ever, did you ever get in actual trouble over it? They would just say, breakfast isn't open right now. <laughs> <laughs> 11 p.m. and we just say okay and then go back to our room. So did you steal the juice in East Lansing? No, we didn't. We actually, on the way down, I did say, like, can we steal the juice from the hotel? But then we didn't. Their breakfast thing wasn't. <laughs> At least you talked about it. No. Well, that was a pretty I... early morning for you guys. I mean, it's planned at 10 a.m. Yeah, it was. How, how, how different is that? Just, just playing a game at 10 a.m. instead of, you know, your normal five or seven o'clock game it's definitely different in terms of like just like the regular season but we did have to do that a lot for travel um we used to play a lot earlier in travel so it wasn't that different now you guys been 23 and one last year reloaded and made it all the way down to the state finals how much does that like set you up for another good season next year jc with the experience that you guys have and the players that you have coming back Oh, we definitely have a lot of confidence. Um, we've experienced it. It's obviously something we want to experience again. So I think that's going to drive us. It's going to be something we want to do again, obviously. So we're going to work for that. Yeah, do you feel like you could have done a lot of the things you did this year as far as, like, making it to the quarterfinals for the second time, make winning a quarterfinal, making it to the semifinals? You could have, do you feel like you could have done all those last year? Oh, definitely. We all wish we could have kept playing. There's so many things that could have happened last year that we all think about still, and I think we could have gone really far. What does that say about you as a team? Then, like, okay, we would have been two-time state semifinalists looking for a third next year. I think that just shows. I think the teams we've had lately were just very fundamentally skilled, and we, like, started when we were young, and it's just, like, the little things that have added up, and we've all put in a lot of work, and it just shows, like, how much hard work really does pay off. Tell me a funny Brad Fisher story. There's so many, but like from this year, um, I'm sure you probably heard about his celebrations after win. Those are probably more of the funny ones. Okay, well for the uh, for the audience, you have to describe it. Um, after we won quarterfinals, um, you've probably seen a lot of pictures about it, but he did slide on the floor at half court on his stomach. <laughs> Have you ever seen him, like, slap the wood as hard as he did in, like, the quarterfinal and the regional final? Yeah, definitely. Because it was, like, mid-game, too. Yeah, he does it a lot. Often he does it when, like, he gets mad at us sometimes, I think. But, like, I don't know until I go back and watch film. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> you know, we have a photo of him diving headfirst onto the Lake City logo yep. on, on our paper Wednesday, I believe. Yep. <laughs> 
what's it like knowing that your coach sometimes gets just as excited as if he was a player, you know? He just, he just seems like he was right in the mix of it, right in the center of the celebrations. Oh, I think it's great. Um, the way he celebrates, it obviously shows that he loves all of us and he's just excited, just as excited as us. You know, you said you don't, you don't really know until you go back and watch him. Did you guys get a chance to like watch the broadcast that was on Valley Sports Detroit and kind of like get to rewatch the whole game, like as they were talking about you guys? Yeah, yeah. How cool was that? That was cool. It was fun to like hear a different like perspective of our team because the people from Gaylord broadcasted our games a few of our games and it was like fun to see what they picked up on but like people who have like no prior like knowledge of us it was cool to see what they thought of us i thought personally yeah so what was it when you heard you guys were going to be practicing at a pole barn what was it you guys were envisioning before you pulled up i said i thought it was going to be a a gym floor with four walls and a ceiling and like that was it (laughs) wooden wooden yeah i really thought it was going to be something simple um, but obviously wasn't that. Yeah. <laughs> it was a lot better than that, so we got lucky. Specifically, who do you guys return next year? Um, it's going to be me and Maddie Evans and Charlie Boyce. They're going to be seniors. And then um, Carson Fisher, Alex Dawson, and Isa Ray will be juniors with me. And then we get a freshman, Elena. I think we're... We're still going to be strong. We'll obviously lose a lot of players, but I think we'll be quick and we'll still have some of that team chemistry. You know, when you when you were in quarantine through the playoffs, I saw Maddie step into like an outside shooter role and kind of like a, uh, she would be the like the second number two for a layup after Noel. Do you think that kind of helped her improve her game? Like, did do you think she got stronger through that? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, Her getting to play all those minutes was really good for her. It's really, it's what she's going to see next year, too. So I think it was really good for her. She benefited a lot from it, and she really stepped up. What's the funniest thing that's happened to you during a basketball game? Oh, my gosh, a lot of stuff. Probably in Onaway. We played in Onaway. It was, like, the last, like, minute or so of the game, and there was a free throw, and Kenzie... Hugerhide, my teammate, her foot like took my foot out and my foot fell on the floor. And Alex Dawson tried to pick me up. And I like she I like shoot her away because I was fine and then everyone started laughing and I think that was funny. <laughs> um I don't know. I get hit in the face a lot with the ball. I'd be very clumsy too. I'd fall, trip over people's feet. Noel. You know anything funny's happened? Wait, what? <laughs> you know anything funny that's happened to me? I don't know. No, but I have a video of us from last year playing Joburg, and you fell on me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I bought I You made this a lot. <laughs> I can't think of anything specific that's happened to you. I feel like you just fall sometimes. Yeah. Is that from just being tall? Yeah, I feel like my feet get in the way of me sometimes. <laughs> Thank you, ladies, for visiting with us. Uh, it was great covering you guys all this season. And congratulations on making it to the state championship game in Division 4. It's a great season around here for everybody to follow. Thank you.
thanks to Noel and JC for stopping by. That interview brought to you by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Order a tasty sandwich today with the Jimmy John's app. All right, that'll take us into the chatter that matters, guys. Governor Whitmer came out Friday morning at the exact same time that the Bel Air game was starting at 10 a.m. at Breslin and urged a pause for two weeks for youth sports and for in-person learning at schools. Pretty much everybody said no because she didn't demand it. It was not required. It was she asked schools to do it. So how do you guys see what happened there? So I'll tell you this much. When we were at the game, James, I had probably the, the worst like nightmare flash before my eyes when I got that, that message. And I was like, please do not do that to these kids. I thought for a second that Bel Air and Fowler might be the only state championship game to finish. You know, but uh, the fact that, you know, I don't think we actually know. There's nobody in our area, but I don't even know if we know anybody who said they're going to stop and listen to the, to the plea. Um, but I think we said this a couple of weeks ago that, if, if it's not shut down by sports, right, sports are going to go on. We saw how many games got canceled in basketball and everything like that, and everybody just kind of rolled with the punches and, and you know, did what they had to do. And I feel like that's kind of why all the schools looked at each looked at themselves and looked at each other like, hey, we've already been doing this stuff. We've already been able to, you know, kind of deal with all this. So why stop now? The, the spring kids already had their season basically destroyed last year. It's already been pushed back a couple weeks this year. Like, we don't have time for that anymore. And that's kind of what I'm getting from everybody is that uh, they they basically are saying we're gonna we're gonna go ahead everything's outside and uh, we're, we're gonna be just fine. I mean, if we saw what happened in the in the fall fall with the outdoor sports, definitely had many less games canceled, right? Had many less quarantines and everything like that per cases and teams. I think being outside and everything is going to help with that aspect, and I think that's another reason why coaches, parents, players are a bit more comfortable with kind of saying. No, we got this. Um, we're gonna we're gonna truck ahead. Yeah, when that CDC thing came out, urging to not play sports, I was like, "Well, this is file it under too little, too late." I mean, it, almost all of winter sports are over in most states, and spring sports is the the least dangerous, if you want to say, of, of all of them. And they're they're outside. They're not really heavy contact sports, aside from you know lacrosse. And, and soccer, I guess there's a lot of contact, but but they're outside as well. So I, I just I just thought it was kind of weird timing, and then with the timing, Whitmer following it up. So I'm not surprised that pretty much everybody just said said no. Um, the one 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 of the schools that we know of that that did go along with it was Midland. They came up and played Traverse City Central in a softball game on Saturday, knowing that the sports program was shutting down on Monday for two weeks. They decided to come up and play Traverse City Central anyway. Um, their uh, softball coach was was not very happy about the school's decision, <laughs> to say the least. Um, he he. One of the things that he said when he was talking to Nate Alger was, uh, "Yeah, we caved real nicely." And <laughs> they, yeah, they they were just they were not happy at all. That you know, I talked to a parent from Midland, and they were just like, "I don't know. I guess." sounded like they thought that a lot of schools would go ahead and say yes and, and do this. And they got to the front of the line and did it, and then nobody followed them. Yeah, I mean, it's not like they can't turn it around if they wanted to. They could always just be like, oh, well, we're going to reopen next week. We just took seven days off, you know. Yeah, or maybe the school board meets and says, uh, we've we've rethought our position or or something. I, I, I think there's a decent chance of that. Um, but that does, you know, impact that they were going to play 
uh, Traverse City Central and Traverse City West in baseball and in soccer in the next two weeks. So they're going to have to move around and cancel stuff in Traverse City because of Midland's decision to, to pause for two weeks. I did find interesting from the state press conference, they did say that there were 1,091 student-athletes that tested positive for COVID between January and March. And from what we saw on the quarantine numbers and the number of kids coming in and out of quarantine as a close contact, I mean, there were 291 outbreaks. You kind of get the feeling like, okay, like they're, what they were saying was legit. There was a lot of outbreaks in high school sports. And well, we're not denying that, but they also, but also they kind of addressed that problem by saying we're going to require athletes to be tested for COVID to make sports safer, and that's also why Traverse City Schools continued to play sports but kept the doors to their schools closed. Yeah, because the athletes are getting tested and the kids aren't. The the general yeah. uh, student isn't getting tested. Midland had already tested everybody before they said, you know, hey, we're not we're not going to not going to play. And I think it's going to move towards that eventually where, like, you would have to get tested to go to school or, like, to some degree. I think the state's going to realize it's feasible to do it on a mass level for high school sports and takes, like, five minutes or mm-hmm. that or vaccinate the students before they go back in person. That's per- that's my personal opinion of what I think it's going to take. And and we saw at the Final Four in, in boys and girls basketball, I mean, you've got – You've got eight semifinal games and then four final games in each. So that's 24 games. Only one of those games did not get played because because they required testing of everybody that was down at the final four. So only one of those 24 games did not get played. Do you guys think that, like, I know Midland's being looked at as, like, one of the bad guys for closing sports, and there's a couple of others downstate. I think Grand Ledge is one of them. But do you think this should be the other way around that the uh, – school districts that are allowing sports and are staying open to in person should they be looked at the other way because the governor is recommending one thing it, it just seemed weird that you know that the schools that are following the recommendations are the ones parents are saying that they're not doing the right thing you know yeah it does seem odd i mean i get mid why midland did it because midland was identified as one of the the biggest increases i think it was in in covid cases in the country yeah, so it was otsego county and that's and then you see gaylord school district open <laughs> Yeah, and like Mount Pleasant, I think was number one in that. Midland was number two. Eight of the top ten. This was a, this is from a New York Times article. Eight of the top ten in the United States were from Michigan. So Midland had been in the news for for having uh, pretty bad numbers recently. So I so I I get it to an extent why they would do it and why they would maybe think that other schools would follow. I'm gonna think I'm gonna end with what the GOP's argument has been all along with this is that at the state level you make your recommendations and tell people what you think that people should do. But this is a disease that should be managed at the local level. And they got their wish. You know, the, the, there's going to be school districts that are making individual decisions based on the data they have and consulting with the health departments. And Republicans have been asking for this for probably a year in COVID, Michigan's COVID-19 response. And that's exactly how Senate Majority Leader Mike Shirky responded to that on, on uh Friday. I mean, I don't know that I necessarily agree with that. I think that you should have a more unified response. I would, I would have preferred to see one unified federal response rather than fifty individual right. state responses. And then now you're going to take it down to a county level too. I mean, it's just going to be, it's going to be different everywhere, and nobody's going to be doing the same thing. Some of it will work, and some of it won't, as we've seen. And in the end, a year later, 
where we still are. We'll see how uh, Michigan's third wave progresses, I guess we'll call it. Yeah, hope, ho- now, hopefully it hopefully it gets better. Now, but for now, play ball. So that finishes up the chatter that matters. Sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Jimmy John's spends six hours slicing and baking every day to make you a 30-second sandwich. Freaky fresh, freaky fast, Jimmy John's, freak yeah. That'll take us into the Hall of Fame, gents. We got three people, three softball players, all softball players this week, vying for the most exclusive club in northern Michigan. Jake, kick us off. I have to put up Avery Parker from Gaylord. Uh, last week, she burst onto the softball scene, a freshman Blue Devil throwing a perfect game from the circle in her first game with Gaylord. Four perfect innings, and they swept the team on out of there. But, I mean, talk about making a first impression on anybody who pays attention to softball here in northern Michigan. Andrew? I think that was like the first softball game, too. That was one of the very first ones, yeah. And she, uh, I mean, it was our first prep roundup of spring. And she throws a, a perfect game. Andrew, who you got? Kenzie Bromley, Petoskey sophomore, hit two two home runs in a doubleheader against Traverse City St. Francis. The Glads won the doubleheader, but Bromley just had the day. She definitely did have a day. I don't know if she had the day though in that doubleheader though, because I got the St. Francis end of that. Okay, uh, go for it. Leah Simons, a freshman, another freshman, uh, all underclassman coming through man we got some some good softball players coming up but Simons had a big debut she got the win and struck out 11 and hit a home run in her first game against a, a bigger school in Petoskey and then in the second game of the doubleheader which St. Francis also win she hits two more home runs bonus nominee Anna Kate Smith from Charlevoix hat trick two points in a uh win over I think it was Boyne City I'm going for Parker with a perfect game in her debut I just I can't get over that that's got to scare everybody. Yeah, and she's followed it up with some pretty good games since then, too. And been a pretty good hitter for Gaylord as well. So I think Gaylord's a team to look out for in the in the Big North Conference this season. Hmm. I, so I, I guess I'll vote for Parker, too. I mean, perfect game in the, in the first game. I mean, Simon's had just about, I mean, 11 Ks and a win and three home runs. That's pretty darn impressive, too. But a, a perfect game in your first game as a freshman is, is pretty remarkable. Yeah, I have to give it to... Avery Parker, that's almost a given there. Mm-hmm. A pretty good basketball player too for for Gaylord. Uh, they're you know their their best player as a freshman this year. Congrats there, Avery, to uh, getting into the most exclusive club in Northern Michigan. And with that, we will move on to our last segment, the trifecta. Gents, this weekend we had a, uh, a historic Masters won by the uh, by a Japanese man for the first time, Deki Matsuyama, big hitter the Yama. I had to use that. I almost wanted to use that as a headline for the E-Edition, in Monday's E-Edition, but I figured somebody would get mad at me for it, but I'm going to throw it in here in the podcast anyway. Mm-hmm. In honor of the Masters, we are just going to talk about some of our favorite and least favorite moments in our own personal golfing experiences. Um, every time I touch a driver is embarrassing for me. You had that one so. time, though, when you got one and yoked it. Like 250. Yeah, no, we were at Antrim Dallas. One, one right? time. I was playing pretty well. Like, I started to understand the game of golf, and it went straight. I think it, I got a little fade on it, too, and we tracked it, and I think it went 250 to 270 yards. So, there's that. I don't think I've ever hit a drive 270 or probably even 250. Like, uh, I'm not I, a big I, hitter. You were, having, you were not having a good day on golf, James. And Not that day. No, that was the day that I had the meltdown. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 uh, I ruined a club that day. I don't know if it was because I was playing well and you weren't, and it's usually the other way around. No, I usually don't care what other people are doing. I'm just focused on my game, kind of. Not like a selfish yeah. thing. I, I, do I, do don't, like I don't care. I, I can't control what you do. Yeah. I can control what I do, though, and I was making the same mistake over and over and over again, which is what just infuriates me, and I just just lost it. I've played that course twice, and I've been horrible both times. There's been several times now, and I mean, we're talking about extremely close to actually hitting and killing somebody with a golf ball. Um, I usually yoke it way farther than I think I can, or like I'm like, oh, no way I'll ever hit him, and then it goes up. Um, one, one, one of my more embarrassing ones, uh, it was we were, we were on a golf trip actually. There was like what sixteen sixteen of us down there, so like whatever, it was like four four groups in in a row, and uh, we had this game that we all got a different colored ball that had like the writing for the weekend on it. I was like, oh, here's like our outing, and it had the ball, and whoever kept that ball and played with that ball for the longest won like a hundred bucks, right? So basically, it was just like see if you could play with a, one ball for the whole round, you know. And of course, we're the first group to tee off, and I get up, I hit the drive first thing, it duffs like maybe 10, 15 yards in front of me. I'm like, everybody's watching. And then I pull out my, I pull out like my five wood or whatever. So I'm just up in the fairway and I just crushed this ball into the woods. And it was literally like nobody else even hit their ball yet. And I had already lost my golf ball. Like I was already out of the competition. It was over with. And I was just like, okay, thanks a lot. And in that same play, in that same like weekend, I remember one time I cheesed the five iron so hard. I hit a tree like dead in the center and the ball probably went backwards about 120, 140 yards. It went straight backwards down the fairway, like almost well over 100 yards because I hit it dead in the middle of the of the bark of the tree, and I was like, oh, no. I remember one time when uh, it was me and Harrison and Brendan were golfing at uh, over in Benzie, and it was like on the, one of the last holes or whatever, and we started just messing around, and Harrison decides he's going to do the Happy Gilmore, the Happy Gilmore Drive. And I took video of it and posted it. So it's it's still out there somewhere, I think, on Twitter and Facebook. He incredibly tops the ball, and it, like, shoots straight up in the air and then comes down and hits the roof of Brendan's cart. And Brendan's inside the cart. <laughs> Jake, didn't you do the Happy Gilmore drive and, like, manage to destroy the tee box along with it? Last time I did the Happy Gilmore, I, like, I basically ate oh, a mouthful of dirt. I tripped over my feet and, like, just completely went face first into the ground in front of me. It was pretty funny. I just but, remember repairing your divot with my entire can of skin. Uh, Didn't we get a video of that one, too? I got a video of me falling over. I don't know where it is, but I have it. <laughs> Do you remember, like, your first birdie? I remember my first birdie. Yeah, it was on hole number eight at Forest, uh, Forest Acres East on East Lansing's campus. Uh, it was a par three. And, of course, I duffed the first shot maybe 20 yards in front of the tee box. And I was like, screw this. I hate my pitching wedge. This is before I could really hit a pitching wedge at all. And I said, screw this. Uh, I'll take my pitching wedge and just try to hit it. And there's, like, this little sand dollar bunker in the front part of the green, and it has a good old, like, a hump on it, a little hill on the front half of the green. And I hit this pitching wedge. It didn't go up in the air at all. It basically went on a straight line. It hit the front, front top of this little lip on this hill, bounced in the air and then rolled off the back side of the hill and went in the hole. I didn't even, I thought I'd just hit it way off the edge of the green. I thought it bounced up and just rolled off the back of the green. I went up on the green and I made it in the hole. I was like, no way, no way. That's kind of my first birdie. I, I didn't actually see the ball go in the hole. I was playing in, in Gaylord, I think at uh, Mishaway and was chipping on a par three 
it was a blind shot onto the green because of the the way that the hill was. So I just went up there to look for my shot, and I'm like, "What did I did I hit over the green? What or did it roll off into this bunker or whatever?" And then I happened to look down and see that it was in the in the hole, and I was like, started jumping up and down and stuff because it was the first time I'd ever gotten a birdie after you know playing for a couple of years. How bad do you think you would golf if we actually played at Augusta National? I would try my best, but I'd probably shoot like a 115. Which is like really, really bad for me. I'm shooting in like the, the low to mid 90s, but somewhere like Augusta, I got a feeling I'd probably add about 15 strokes. I would golf like in the, it would be well into the hundreds. I would, I would guarantee. They would give me some kind of jacket afterwards, but it wouldn't certainly wouldn't be green, like a straight jacket maybe. <laughs> so it's a twenty thousand dollar membership just to get into Augusta National, and a member pays between three hundred and four hundred, four thousand. Like either a month or annually. Yeah. Hey, good luck with that. We don't make that kind of dough here. No. Even with the in a uh, year. even with the uh, <laughs> Jimmy John's money we got rolling in from the from the get around. But that has been episode that has been episode one seventy one of the get around. Thanks for joining us this week. We will see you next week, and uh, we're out. <laughs>